Welcome to Time to Gather, a podcast where women talk it through one story at a time so that we can all move towards more purposeful, integrated, and powerful lives together. I'm Melinda Bullen. And I'm Emily Jennings. And we're two working, living, surviving, trying to thrive women living on two different coasts from two different generations with the same love for good conversation, curiosity, and connection. We're imperfect, we're learning, and we are you. And we're so grateful you're here taking the time to gather with us today. Hey there, Melinda. Well, hey, Emily. How are you today? I'm doing really good. I'm really, really excited about today's episode and getting to dig into this with Yushika. Yeah. I'm so excited to have Yushika Island on the show today. I was fortunate enough to meet Yushika many years ago while working in higher education in Oregon. And while we never worked together, we connected quickly through our common sense of purpose regarding racial equity and justice. But there was a larger gravitational pull for me. Yashika's wit, sense of adventure, and willingness to let us be real and vulnerable in our friendship pulled me toward her like the moon pulls on the ocean. Yashika has a way of showing the light side of hard subjects through her humor, insight, and wry candor, but with such an authenticity that whatever uncertainty one might feel about getting vulnerable, it's eased quickly because you can see that she's with you, not above you or against you. She allows you to lean in, unpack, reflect, feel, and question, which is where real change can happen. But my favorite thing about Yashika is her willingness to indulge her own curiosity. If she wants an experience or question answered, she breaks through all barriers to do it, even if she's the only one breaking through. It's inspiring to watch. Yashika grew up in Northeast Portland and began her career in pharmaceutical sciences. But after facing discrimination from pharmacists and community members because she was one of three black women pharmacy interns in Oregon, she decided to leave the medical field and teach math and science. Later, she moved into higher education, teaching, training, and advocating for equity in private and public universities in Oregon. Yashika Island is currently working on equity policy and justice with the city of Portland. She's a mom, an explorer, a seeker of play and laughter, and a taster of all things delicious the world has to offer. So let's settle in and listen to Yashika's story. Well, hello, this is Yashika Island. Um, It's taken me a while to write this because I really struggled with which risk I was going to talk about in this show. But uh, I decided that um, I wanted to talk about taking risks, but probably from a different angle. Um, I've taken a lot of risk in my life, some that was popular, some not so much. Um, but one thing's for sure, out of all the risk I've have taken in my life, um, they still were a safe risk for me to take. And what I mean by that is I've done a lot of things within uh, my lifetime that would be considered risky from someone on the outside looking in. But when I think about it, it might only look risky just because of the demographic that I fit in, being a black woman. And what I mean by this is I've taken risks that maybe a typical black woman wouldn't take or the stereotype that a black woman uh, would be too risky to take, but I took it anyway. Um, for example, uh, coming to Oregon to study pharmacy and being at a pharmacy school of one of only three black people, 
uh, with a predominantly white school, predominantly white state, and really thinking that I could survive in a program like that without any extra support. Also, I've taken the risk of being a high school math teacher um, in a predominantly white school in a rural area um, in Washington, and um, being the only black math teacher, there was a lot of things I faced, and a lot of people on the outside would think that that was risky, even though it should be just considered normal for someone to be a math teacher or someone to be a pharmacist. So when I look at risk, it's really hard for me to tell whether it's something that's really risky or something that's just risky because of the demographic I belong to. And I say all this to say that whether I look at risk in terms of being a black woman um, living in an all-white city and state, um, compared to what other people would consider taking a risk. Um, you know, I'm on the fence about whether it is something seemingly risky or not. Um, I guess it's subjective. So, yeah, so which is why it's hard for me to figure out whether the risk I've taken in life has been meaningful or not. Um, so what I want to talk about is what does it mean to take a risk if that risk doesn't offer more than a monetary pleasure or a short-term gratification. I want to talk about taking the risk that will provide long-term, sustainable forms of gratification over my lifetime. I want to talk about taking a risk on yourself, how to learn how to love yourself, nurture yourself, and fill your cup up every day by yourself, throughout the many storms that come your way. I want to talk about how you take a risk in order to be a happier, healthier, and more confident you in this world. I want to talk about the importance of loving ourselves and really being intentional and putting in the time as women to love ourselves um, and taking that risk to be intentional to do that. And what does that look like as a woman to love yourself fully and wholeheartedly and also bear the role of being a mother, wife, sister, and daughter? Um, there are many risks you can take in life, and a lot of those risks might give you short-term gratification. But at the end of the day, the biggest risk you could take is loving yourself and finding a way to take a risk and finding ways to love yourself more and more. And I would just like to encourage everyone out there listening that um, empower yourself, love yourself, find a way to take a risk on yourself, and hopefully your life, my life, and everyone's life will be better. Thank you. Wow. I just so appreciate Yashika and how... Um, quick and real she got with her you know feelings about risk and what it meant for her to take risks yeah she just kind of gets like cuts straight to the heart of everything we've been learning yeah. through this season about risk taking yeah. absolutely you know um i i know for for both of us we're thinking a lot about 
um, how risk is perceived, how those perceptions sort of impact us. I mean, I think that's sort of the meat of our mm -hmm. conversation with Yashika today. I hope it will be. Um, and oftentimes, so our listeners know, um, you know, Emily and I will listen to the story and sort of do a quick check in, but then we sort of go off on our own and we investigate some of the questions that came up for us as we listen to our guests' stories. And one of the things that I was really curious about was, you know, again, the language of risk, right? Um, how do we talk about risk and how does that language sort of formulate our own thinking about risk? And as I was, you know, looking at different articles and trying to sort of get my hands around this perception of risk, um, one of the things I found was that it just felt like a really like dark path I was going down because so many of the articles, so much of the conversation is around concepts like, you know, adolescence, danger, addiction, erratic behavior. Um, rarely... I like that you have to say those even in like a deep, deep I know. voice. <laughs> addiction. That's right. Behavior. <laughs> it, it did feel that way. It was like, it was like, wait a minute, where are all the articles at the top of my Google search about yeah. really stepping out and doing something brave, you know? And so again, just out of sheer Melinda curiosity, because I love words, I was like, I'm going to put this into the thesaurus and like, what am I coming up with? And I kid you not, Emily, the first half of the list, easily more than half of the list, all of the synonyms for risk were things like exposure, hazard, liability, peril, mm, peril, it, oh, peril. I know so <laughs> ominous. And it wasn't until you got farther down the list that you started to see words like opportunity, possibility, mm. and prospect. Mm. And so I just think there's really something there in the yeah. language we've created around the concept of risk. We're language divided on risk. Mm. And I think that plays so deeply into our own perceptions of risk and how other people's perceptions about the risk we take also affect us. Oh, so, yeah, so well said. And I, and I'm, I'm so excited for us to invite Yashika in. Um, so much of her story is this wrestling um, of again, who she is versus who other people think she should be mm -hmm. um, and how the world perceives her um, and how she's finding her own grounding. I think yeah. in that process. So let's invite Yashika into the conversation. Do it. Emily and I love supporting causes we believe in. And that's what Time to Gather is for us. Something we believe in that connects and celebrates all of us through stories and wild, amazing everyday women. If you believe in helping support a space like Time to Gather, consider donating to our podcast by visiting our website, timetogatherpodcast.com and hitting that donate button. Your donation helps Time to Gather survive and thrive. Welcome, Yashika. We're so glad you're with us today. Thank you. So glad to be here. Mm. Just, um, you know, Emily and I have had an opportunity to listen to your story a couple of times and just... Um, felt such uh, a deep and resonant connection to what you were talking about uh, in terms of our own stories of risk and how we've been perceived by other people all the way to just this idea of like 
our, our bigger risks being, you know, learning how to love ourselves. Yeah. I just really feel like uh, your story just cut to the like heart of this whole season and everything we've been learning from everybody is just like going straight to this meaningful risk and this self-love place and how that's the hardest thing to do, but the most important thing to do. So I'm just so glad you're here and I've just been looking forward to this conversation all week. <laughs> Absolutely. So I just want to like jump right in to the deep end with everyone's permission. Um, you know, uh, the centerpiece of this podcast is to gather women together, everyday women that we admire and we know are doing really good work around, you know, um, you know, just just living life and and stepping into the hard parts and the great parts and being change agents in the in the in their families and their organizations. Um, we want to bring these women together to tell their stories and unpack the complexities of our identities as women, because we're carrying multiple identities all the time. And um, part of that are the intersections that exist between our gender as women and other parts of our identity, right? Like race and religion, sexuality, etc. In your story, Yashika, you talked about the perceptions of what was and wasn't risky based on your race. And recently, in a conversation with you on the phone, I shared a story with you that fills me with such glee. It's one of my favorite memories. Um, I wasn't there, but you told me the story. And it's one of those like memories, my Yashika memories that I go to because it embodies so much of who you are and what I admire about you. It really does fill me with such glee and admiration for you. And it's this story you told me years ago. I mean, years ago about, and you were so like, you know, like um, whimsical about it. Like it was not a big deal. It had no weight in your mind, but you were just like, oh yeah. So I went to the coast and I went on this deep sea fishing trip and I was by myself. And I just remember thinking, that is so amazing. One, that's not necessarily something I would do or feel comfortable doing, right? Um, but here you went and had this adventure and I love, uh, I love your adventurous spirit. You're somebody that I see that really does go out and do the things you want to do because you want to do them. Right. Um, and that was such an example of that. Um, and if I'm also being really honest about that story, it did surprise me because there is some deep belief in me manufactured by our society and by the messages we get that a black woman doesn't go deep sea fishing, right? right. And uh, I, I just loved that you uh, break that past that fallacy, but I also felt shame that I was surprised by your choice. And in your story, you talk about, hey, it should be considered normal for a black woman to be a math teacher. It should be normal for a black woman to be a pharmacist. And of course, it should be normal for a black woman to go deep sea fishing. Yeah. So how do we how do we start breaking down those lines and just say, oh, yeah, guess what? You can show up and do whatever you want to do. Right. And I'm not going to be surprised by that. <laughs> right. I will say this. I will. I will give this part of it because. Yes, you know, I I tend to do the things that other people wouldn't do. I do like to be a little adventurous. I've always been kind of curious and 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 been like that. Mm -hmm. But there's a reason I went alone. <laughs> Cuz mm -hmm. I couldn't get any other of my mm -hmm. friends black women to go. Oh, really? Oh. You know, <laughs> it's not like I didn't try. I asked yeah. my family and friends yeah. for someone to go with me. I didn't want to go alone. Yeah. But they also agreed that that was not a thing for us to do. You mm. know, I, 
they made me, you know, they said, oh, some, I'm weird or, you know, you, you're doing too much, <laughs> too adventurous. <laughs> I, I, I'm not doing that. So mm-hmm. for me, there's a lot of things I want to do in life that my family and friends will not do or do not want to do or may fit into the stereotype of, yeah, Black people don't do that, you know, because mm-hmm. I don't like to camp. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Camping is not like that. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> uh, right. But yeah, so that's why I went alone mm-hmm. because I couldn't find anyone uh, um, of my friends or family um, to go with me mm-hmm. uh, on that trip. Mm. So there is a little truth to it, but you know, I do think overall, this is we're in Portland. We're we're a small piece of the puzzle. You know, I'm, I know when I go down south, there are plenty of Black people who love outdoor stuff, love fishing. They would have, I probably would have had a lot of people want to come with me if, if I asked my family mm-hmm. in Arkansas. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Mm. I just want yeah. to offer that. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I, appreciate, I appreciate that. that. Yeah. 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 This is all making me think of... uh Years ago, Verna Myers gave this great talk, and uh, one of the things she said is like, "We were all outside when the rain came down. Like we're all soaked in like biases and these ways of thinking, and um, it just like of how do we of knowing that and making sure we take a pause when we're surprised by somebody doing something or surprised by being asked to do something and think about the why. Like, why am I surprised by this? And kind of being more self-aware and reflective and recognizing that we're all soaked in this stuff, you know, right. <laughs> we're right. just drenched. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, right. Yeah. yeah bringing ourselves too. out. Yeah. I, I definitely have my biases and things too. I, I had, you know, a friend tell me the other day, um, a pastor and, and the name of the pastor. And even though the name of the pastor sounded like a female name in my mind, I still thought it was a man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And then I wanted in my mind to give this man a different race than being black just because the name was not registering. So, mm-hmm. you know, even I realized like I still have those same type of biases based on how I've been conditioned that mm-hmm. there are certain things you think certain people are in that particular space. Yep. But we see now like things are changing so much. There there's no norm everything's a new normal now mm-hmm. yeah. and just trying to it, it just makes me stop every day more and more to pause and really reflect and do the self-reflection all mm-hmm. the time so I can catch myself because mm-hmm. we've been socialized I'm gonna just say so badly you know yeah. when it comes to people mm-hmm. and people different than us mm-hmm. so we gotta be intentional yeah. I'm hearing pausing and reflecting, you know, noticing the feeling. Emily, you just started like noticing those moments of surprise, right? We're in it. We're soaked in it. Noticing those feelings. I'm going to hold the accountability word, being accountable, right? Like it's not fun to recognize that moment where you're like, oh man, we I gotta totally do it. just felt susceptible to the narrative. What kind of, you know, I work so hard against that and I fell into it. So -hmm. just being accountable and saying, yeah. Um, And, and just, um, I'm also going to say gratitude, sitting in gratitude in the relationships where I can have an open and honest conversation about it and say, 
I did this thing. Let's, can we unpack it a little bit? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, let's take a minute to pause and reflect right now and take a little break. Hey, listeners, the stories our guests have been willing to share are so powerful and the lessons we've been learning run deep. Talking about risks can be hard, but so worth it. And we want everyone to feel like these are conversations they can have, stories they can share in their lives. So we have created a free conversation guide on risk taking. Head over to our website, timetogatherpodcast.com, download the guide, gather your people, and lead your own conversations about risk. Welcome back, everyone. So one of my favorite parts about the story you shared, Yashika, was this like self-reflection on taking risks that maybe felt safe or for financial benefit, but weren't giving you that like long-term gratification or satisfaction, then you call them like meaningful risks. I just want to hear more about what meaningful risk means to you and like where you are on the meaningful risk journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks. Um, you know, for me, I think you would only understand if I kind of tell you a little bit about my story. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it started when I was graduating high school. I really wanted to go to a performing arts school. I wanted to be an actress. Uh, I wanted mm. to be in the entertainment world, be in movies, <laughs> I love be that. a comedian, whatever. Totally can see that, by the way. See? Seriously. No, I really, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and I hear more of that now from people mm. that they could see me doing that. But I could see myself doing it back then. Mm -hmm. But I had the parents who did not believe in the arts. Um, they didn't believe that was a way to have a good life. Um, th they pretty much made me go to college, you know, and made me, you know, do something where I could have a, a real career is what they would call it. Mm -hmm. So... I had to get rid of my dream early on and I had to go to school and, you know, that's when I decided to get a degree in chemistry, you know, cause I'm like, okay, if I get a degree in chemistry, then I don't ever have to worry about a job. I can get a job in, in any type of field really. Um, but then my mom, um, wanted me to continue she was like you can't stop just with your bachelor's you got to continue mm -hmm. and at this point you got to think about like for me being black I also have to think about my family you mm -hmm. know we're we're just now getting to a point where we can actually go to school and, and try to be who we want to be uh in the world so you got to make your family proud so at that point it was something I had to do. I couldn't stop until I got my master's or, or a doctorate. Um, so, of course, I was like, let me just go to pharmacy school. I have four years. I could get my doctorate and I'm done and I can make good money and everybody's happy and whatever. Well, it's not that easy. Yeah. <laughs> you can't just go to pharmacy school just for your family and, and not have any passion for it. Mm. Of course, I wanted to learn medicine because I knew my family didn't understand medicine at all. Mm -hmm. And if there was someone in the family who could explain the medicine to, to everyone, then great. And that's what I was going to do. But what happened was I began a journey of doing, living my life for others. 
and realizing that the hard work, I was doing all the hard work. I was sacrificing and paying all the money for school just to to do something that was a dream of my mom's or, you know, of, of my family. Um, and once I just couldn't anymore, because any type of doctorate program will break you if you're not passionate mm-hmm. about it, you know? Oh, gosh. Uh, so once I got to that point, you know, I had to start doing things that I wanted to do, but I didn't know how, you know, you, you kind of have to live the life in the lane that you have prepared yourself for, which mm-hmm. kept me doing uh, chemistry, math, science, teaching, mm-hmm. you know, all of these things. Mm-hmm. And I finally found a love within the students and advocating for them and helping them get their high school diplomas or their college degrees like that was really meaningful for me but now I'm at a point where again I find myself living this life of um it is abundant because I do get joy from advocating um for more of an equitable situation for a better workplace culture, you know, for where Mm -hmm. I work. But there's still something inside of me that feels like, why haven't I taken the risk to do what I've always wanted to do, Mm -hmm. to do what I feel deep inside is in me and has never come out because I have only done what I thought I was supposed to do, you know, trying to be the good daughter or the good worker or colleague um and and it took a lot of risks yeah hard risks but were they meaningful yeah but to who yeah you know Mm -hmm. to my community Mm -hmm. yeah to my family Mm -hmm. yeah but not so much to me yeah you're missing in that every time Mm mm-hmm So that's what I was talking about in the recording was I've taken a lot of risk in my life. I've done a lot of things that people wouldn't expect someone like me to do. But if I be completely honest and vulnerable, I haven't taken the biggest risk that I needed to take, the most meaningful risk and and, and, in myself and believing in myself to Take that risk to be who it is you always wanted to be that you never took because you was just trying to do the right thing for everyone else. Mm. Now I'm at a point where I need to do the right thing for me. So that's kind of what I was talking about. I so appreciate your story. There are ways that show up for so many of us that like have us outsourcing our risk taking of like we are doing this for the people in our lives for our communities and it's so much it's it's easier it is so much easier to do that than take these yeah. meaningful risks for ourselves what like why do you think it's so hard for us to take the risk on ourselves like this most the most immediate person to us that's <laughs> who we are living in all the time you know like why is it so hard to see ourselves and take that risk for ourselves you know i think it's because all of these other things are important too. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's why it was so hard for me to even say that this life I've been living hasn't been the best risk for me personally, because mm-hmm. I know that this life I've been living has been good mm-hmm. to the, to the, to who I've been around and, and who's been in the space for the communities I've been trying to serve and, and for my colleagues I've been trying to work and collaborate with. Because all of this is, has been important and I care about it. I do want things to be better. I do want our education systems to be better for students of color and for yeah. marginalized groups. I also want the workplace culture to be better for staff of color and for staff of different marginalized identities. But I also want to be happy. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> I also want to live my best life, you yeah. know? So... Yeah where do we go from here you know and yeah. yeah i don't i don't know i <clears throat> i too am am just sitting in your your story and um hearing you and also feeling it mm-hmm. personally and this idea of um you know what permissions were we given um as uh young women children young women um what responsibilities do we have to carry as adult women you know being caregivers being partners you know the emotional weight of what it means to move so much forward in life and how much permission we were given early on to center ourselves in a way that is meaningful and how i know i'm in midlife and I am struggling with those questions still. Mm-hmm. And I'm irritated that I am. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how am I 48 years old? And I still don't know what it means to love myself, to center myself. And how do I hold both the deep values I have around justice, mm-hmm. right? Around yeah. the people I love and the the needs they have, the traumas they carry, the you know the ways and way the ways in which I want to show up for them, and still hold enough space for me to be the the best Melinda, the Melinda that I know I came into the world being, right. and that in different ways got shaped and tamped down and you know yeah. directed. Right right? Usually with best intentions. Your parents had the best intentions. Mm-hmm. My parents had the best intentions. Our teachers, our pastors, whoever whoever was guiding us often. I, I can say, I, I feel like I've had the privilege of having people who loved me and guided me, but that didn't necessarily uh, mean that I could truly be my whole self. And now we're in different chapters where we're accountable to other people who need us. And so, how do we find that? Right, <laughs> and this right. is a question to all of us, right? <laughs> like, how do we find that? Yeah. Mm. You know, I have to tell you, Melinda, you know, I- I'm saying all of this because I'm where you are. I'm only a few years mm-hmm. under you. And mm-hmm. I feel completely lost mm-hmm. in knowing how to really love myself the way Mm -hmm. I need to, to even show up, you know, at the workplace as a mother, as a daughter, as a sister, as a friend. Mm -hmm. I I think 
over time, you know, as we get older, we get we get tired, you know, like it's mm-hmm. to the point where I know if I don't figure out something, you know, something's going to give. Yep. You know, either I'm not going to be my best self at work. I'm not going to be the best mom. I'm not going to be able to be the best anything because I haven't figured out how to put put back into me, you know, fill my mm-hmm. cup back up the way I need to in order to keep going. Um, so that's mm-hmm. why I'm so glad we're talking about this today, because I know it's not just us. Mm-hmm. No I know there's no a lot of the other women out here who feel like I'm overwhelmed. There's so much in my mind. I'm trying to get organized. I'm trying to figure out all of these things. And I'm trying to figure out myself too. How can I figure out myself when I get these kids? <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Job, when I got, you know, my family stuff and, mm-hmm. you know, everything. So. I don't know, but I think that that's why this podcast and this topic is going to be so important because I think us as women probably need to talk about this more. You know, we need to figure out ways to develop community and and some sort of space where we know we're not alone and that something's wrong with us because we haven't figured it out all the way yet. Yeah. One of the things I've been thinking a lot about, and Emily's gotten to hear about this as my friend offline, off the podcast, <laughs> but I'm going to bring it in, um, is is this idea of boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel really bad at boundaries. Um, I think, you know, and this isn't everyone's story. This is Melinda's story, but I, I'm a highly empathetic person. That's just a characteristic of my personality. And so, um, and a part of my identity, right? Like, I'm like, oh, this is, this is part of my identity. I hold it, I show it. Um, and so with that, it, it often means that I'm like, I'm giving it all away. Not always intentionally, but I'm just like, you know, because I'm empathetic and I want to truly understand the other person's experience, I'm sort of all in. And um, that can get really messy and really exhausting. And it means I have little reserves, right, for other things or me or whatever. And so right now, one of the things I'm working a lot on are trying to figure out appropriate boundaries. And it's funny, like even like recently, some some really somewhat small work things, but I'm like, oh, this work, really small work thing turned into a really big problem at work. Mm. Because a year ago, I didn't know how to set an appropriate boundary, you know? And because I was trying to be helpful or I was trying to fill in like, I always joke like ooze, like fill into the gaps where I see stuff's not getting done. I'm like, well, I'll just fill in. I'll do the thing. And all of a sudden, you know, you've oozed your way into all these so other places. So accurate for women yeah, everywhere. I was I think. Say, That's what yeah, we people do. People can't see yep. me, but I'm I'm doing the amoeba dance also. I'm, <laughs> yeah. physic- I'm physically <laughs> oozing into places, right? But, I, do, you know, we do that, right? Mm-hmm. I think women we often pick it up. do We pick that it all up. Again, yeah. We pick it up. We're socialized to care and fill in the gaps and hold it all together and keep it up high and and uh, everything out of the floodwaters, right? And so, and so, and so here we are. For example, with this work situation, a year later, I am pissed. I'm angry. I feel exploited. I'm like, how is it that I'm the one suffering and this person's doing just fine? 
oh, that's right, because I didn't hold a boundary and I, you know, I made it fine in a lot of ways. And so I say all of that to say, I would love to hear from both of you a little bit about boundaries, because I feel really bad at this. And I, I think that's a practice that helps us with this previous question around self-love. Mm. Yeah, I'm just thinking about all of our like self-love stories of like, so for me, like, I'm just coming off of really intentionally taking a year to dive into self-love because I was, I broke, like I was done. I went, I was doing social work type work since I was a teenager, you know, and not stopping. And it got to that emergency state. And I'm kind of hearing all of us get to this like emergency state. And Mm. how do we not get to that emergency state (laughs) and and just love ourselves and take care of ourselves along the way. Like we don't have to get to these peaks. Um, but here we are and here we are talking about it. And I just want to name that like, that is so awesome that we are talking about this. And like, uh, it's not like what's wrong with me for not being able to love myself. It's like, what's right with us for talking about this and recognizing <laughs> it and like being within the generations that are kind of like bringing this to the forefront. And so um, just some goosebumps over here about that. Yeah. Um, but on the boundary thing, I think one of the, this is such a small practice that my partner and I have been doing um, the last few months. And I think it's kind of this setting this own boundary for yourself. Cause you, Melinda said something to me months and months ago where you're like, the mo- from the moment I wake up, I'm giving myself away. Like I'm immediately thinking about what I can do at work, how I can outsource, what am I, you know, like um, who I need to take care of, what needs to happen there. And so every morning we ask each other the question sometime in the morning, not like the minute we wake up, but like, cause who wants to talk then? But uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you doing for yourself today? And mm. it can be a self-love thing. It could be as simple as like looking out the window for 10 minutes with a cup of tea or just like reminding myself that I'm enough, you know, but it can also just be like those basic human need things that you're making sure to do for yourself, like eating in a way that feels nourishing, like speaking up once at this meeting that I've felt like my voice is silenced in those sorts of things. And just naming that with or without a partner, like maybe it's in a journal or just to yourself of like, Mm -hmm. what am I doing for myself today? Cause I think we can keep doing all the things and have all these pieces that we're um, supporting and creating and like being a part of, we also just have to like chisel out that spot for ourselves. And hopefully that little chisel will be bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It'll get easier and easier and easier for us to do those things for ourselves and love ourselves in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just a little kind of the back, the other it. side of a boundary, I think of like making that boundary for yourself of like, of asking yourself yeah. those questions. It's an, it's a practice. Mm-hmm. I think that's the piece, right? It is this practice to, hold hold that accountability you know i love that how about you yashika what are you doing to support boundary setting well um i really appreciate what emily um said um in terms of the practice her and her partner is doing and you know that's something that i want to incorporate in my life um i read this book emotional self-care for black women by Mm -hmm. tiara Mm -hmm. coleman And she talked about using your love languages on yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. and I never thought about love languages in that way. I always thought about how to love others, you know, knowing their love languages. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it never, (laughs) never, never 
occurred to me that I could do it for myself. Yep. And so after reading that book, I'm like, now I'm trying to be conscious of asking myself daily, you know, what are those, what are two ways you're going to love yourself today? You know, because my love language is is quality time and acts Mm -hmm. of service. So I do. I need to spend time with myself. So now in the morning, I'll take some time and make sure I'm intentional that this is just my time. Love that. Because I will be like Melinda. I'm getting up. Okay, I got to do this, 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 this. Mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I do that. And then acts of service. I got plenty of things I need to do around my house of organizing. I need to get rid of clothes from mm-hmm. the fall and get ready for spring or winter and summer. So I have a lot of projects around the house that I need to do. Um, but now it's in my brain of, my goal now is to really focus on finding a way to love language myself. <laughs> mm, <laughs> you I know, love language yeah. myself, you know, mm. until I get it down where I don't have to remind myself to do it. I'm automatically doing it. So that's mm-hmm. that's one of my goals that I'm working on right now. Um, mm. And in terms of boundaries, I think that... uh you know, it's interesting because you got to set them. They they look so different depending on the situation. But mm-hmm. I do think it is really important, um, especially for those who consider themselves empaths. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like you, Melinda. I feel like I take on everybody. I'm very emotional. I could just be around mm-hmm. you and sense your energy. And mm-hmm. that's very draining. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, now I make sure that I keep my work hours, my work hours. Sometimes I'm willing to go over a little bit, but um, <laughs> it's for the things that is okay, you know, every now and then. So I think setting boundaries at work and setting boundaries to to make time for yourself are probably really important. So mm. I think boundaries are, you have to do, you have to have them. Yeah. Yeah. Same. It's like the, like, I love that you're like, you feel it and you carry it like to me it always feels like you're hold, carrying a heavy jacket yeah. like you're like of everybody else's emotions and feelings mm-hmm. and that's hard to carry and the love language thing I was like oh my gosh like yeah I love receiving and giving gifts to people but I will be damned if I'll ever buy myself a single thing <laughs> like what the heck like yep I can't wait to hear yeah. what you're gonna go buy yourself <laughs> Mm-hmm. thanks for the accountability mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yep. yep yeah it is it is so interesting that not not any of the three of us thought about love languages from the perspective of loving ourselves um yeah this is really really interesting you know for me i think with boundary setting and it is i would love to say it's like a work in progress it is a battle in progress like i'm just being super real it's hard it's hard at this moment which is why i was just so deeply grateful for your your storytelling because it it brought up some some truth telling for me um in multiple ways yeah i i I'm with you. I think, you know, mm-hmm. we're in the same place. That's why it resonates because I, I struggle. It's a battle for me as well, setting, setting boundaries because we are comfortable <laughs> n- nurturing and being there, mm-hmm. doing that or 
listening longer or, you know, like yep. mm-hmm. letting people take up mm-hmm. our time and energy and all of that and not knowing how to be like, hey, you know, I need some time to myself. Um, so I, I battle a lot with it because I do think I'm a people pleaser, if I be honest. Um, I do. Yeah, you know, I, <laughs> I I don't want people mad at me. I try to do the best to to be a team player and to be helpful and to be that good person. But um, I I don't want a break, um, mm-hmm. but I feel it coming. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. why, you know, I struggled so much even recording anything because I'm like, ah, I'm in this really weird place. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm struggling right now. And I don't know which way to go or, you know, I don't I gotta put one foot forward, but it's it feels very overwhelming. Um and um I have no answers. <laughs> but uh I'm just thankful to know that I'm not alone and that this is a battle that, you know, us as women, you know, go through and are going through. And I just hope mm-hmm. that um, we can figure it out in time before we break and that we, yeah. we figure out ways to become healthier mm-hmm. by acknowledging where we are Um and you talked about it earlier, Melinda, like accountability, you know, mm-hmm. maybe it's about building community. Maybe it's about having those mm-hmm. friends that you've been open and honest with about what's going on so we can uplift each other and, and hold each other accountable, but also love on each other and and yeah. let each other know that we're in this together. Yeah. Celebrate each other. Mm-hmm. I really think like I'm celebrating that you've like found a practice and are starting to practice from reading this book. And I really do think you're going to find your answers in those quiet quality time moments with yourselves, like with yourself, like you don't have the answers right now, but like you're creating the space for those to bubble up because you're stopping the, you know, that constant cycle and we're, and I'm just so, so admire that. And I'm so just like, yeah, just here celebrating it. Coleman for writing that book. Yes, <laughs> yeah. thank you. Shout out. Shout out. <laughs> we'll add that. We'll add that to resources <laughs> with the podcast notes for sure. Well, and but, I think too, yeah. like what I'm hearing is like the tools that are there are tools we as women are using all the time to support others, and it's just yeah. about us. Like we're already super good at right. at love and care. It's just switching mm-hmm. those same tools around and using them on ourselves. Like we've got this, we can do this. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And these conversations, continuing these conversations. I mean, the three of us have, have started this conversation with each other. We have hopefully communities of other women that we're, you Mm -hmm. know, just continuing the bravery of having these conversations and being willing to, to say, I feel really messy in this way. I don't have it figured out. I don't have the answers. Um, Because there is not only deep comfort and finding that you aren't alone, but you've already lifted up some resources that are going to help me. Um, I know Emily has helped me over time. You know, those those conversations and relationships are, I think, a path forward. Being in a vacuum, being in isolation with it is not, I think, the path forward for sure. Right. Yeah. 
Well, I wish we could talk all day um, about this. Oh my gosh. So just so good. Um, but we like to wrap up with kind of going, having our guests go back in time to the risks that they were taking um, and asking you if you could go back to the moment that you were taking those many, what were maybe easier and for others risks, what would you say to yourself now? Continue to take risks, but make sure you take the risk that is going to help you be your best self and your most authentic self. Um, I would tell the younger me to remember me and Mm. do what's best Mm. for me. Um, And don't forget who we are, you know? So Mm. yeah, continue to take risks and don't forget who you are. Take those risks for you. The ones that's most meaningful and the ones that will give you your best self and your best life. Oh, agreed. Bringing up all the emotions. Remember you, everybody. Remember you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to gather with us today. Keep our connection strong by visiting us at timetogatherpodcast.com or by following the Time to Gather podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. We would love to hear from you. What resonated today? What are your stories? What risks have you taken? We love connecting with you and doing this work. Head over to our website and hit the donate button to help keep the stories coming. We're a grassroots, lo-fi effort, and your support is both needed and appreciated. Thank you, and we can't wait to gather with you again.